All right, Monger Mayhem, number 15. I've got Mr. Eric Bleckeberg <laughs> with me today. He is the San Marcos strength and conditioning coach, powerlifting coach. Yes, I didn't, I didn't really ask you that before when we were talking, but um, do you do strength and conditioning for any of the other teams? Yeah, okay, I, that's do, what I, I do. I do. They officially call me sports performance, but it's really semantics. I do uh, sports performance for all thirteen of our sports teams. Oh, so, so you handle all of it? That's yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's pretty crazy. We'll have to get into that on how how you manage that because I've had, like I said, a couple people on here that have talked about um, you know like coaching, say football, or doing strength and conditioning for like the football team so maybe freshman through varsity but Mm -hmm. not everything yeah that's insane yeah the the football i mean we don't have football out of the school which is probably for the best right now simply because as you know football is i have the largest team right now that i have of individuals at any one time would probably be 38 and that's off-season baseball but football is 100 could be i mean even at the 38 level it it is yeah uh, over 100 yeah so even 38 is crazy yeah right. it's a it's a lot of people at once and it's uh becomes programming becomes a lot more about uh managing the space and managing groups of people even more so than it is about you know just exercise principles sure so. sure well okay so let's kind of jump into right off the bat jump into some how do you manage the program if each team has its own type of programming i would assume Yes. Um, so first is uh, each semester we have to build it out. Um, effectively, it's organized into fall uh, and spring semesters, and then summer's kind of open. I can't really schedule. I'm not permitted to work with a, a lot of sports teams, so it's right. very slow. So I schedule it out before the start of the semester, before they sign up for classes. They have their specific weight training times. Um, off-season teams right now do between three to four days a week. Uh, in-season teams do two days a week of training. Right. Uh, and we go from there and just I build out the program based upon their practice schedule and then the actual weight training schedule if they're three to four days a week and the needs of the athlete. Obviously, basketball is going to need to have more conditioning than golf would so it's programmed accordingly yeah that's i mean like i said in my head i'm going to just thinking about programming for all these different athletes and i mean i i would assume it's not cookie cutter but you're definitely you're not changing up probably every week right like you're writing out maybe like a 12-week program for baseball and then it's a program for like you said your golfers and stuff but it how long are, are those typical programs um typically i when i first started <laughs> when i first started i did do almost like a full semester i mapped out now i typically only program out like actually writing out programs yeah. about four to six weeks okay and so a little bit shorter than yeah the 12 shorter week, but, but I have a map of where I'm going, like the intention of where I'm going to go, mm-hmm. but there's monkey wrenches that get thrown in left and right. So you typically program out, but have a guide for where you're going to go in the future. Yeah. Uh, and then you modify the workouts as is necessary for each of the sports teams. And speaking to kind of what you said, as far as cookie cutter, if it's not, there's a lot of similarities in certain exercises. Sure. We always do. We can look at things almost as movements where it's everyone does a squat movement. Everyone does a hinge movement rotational athletes will do more rotational based movements or transverse plane movements and yeah. and so on and so forth. Okay. So now now we'll go back kind of to the beginning and we'll go okay, so Eric trains here obviously powerlifting I would say is what you do here. I'm yes. sure you do a lot of power other stuff. Now. Yes, powerlifter power now for sure. He competes. Um, and you coach the CSUSM powerlifting team. Yes, sir. Yep. And so with that, do you carry some of the? I'm sure you carry a lot of the technique into a lot of those other programs with other sports and stuff, right? But I would assume you're not training them like you would a powerlifter, though, right? No. Uh, principles for powerlifting still apply to where, as you know, powerlifting has hypertrophy or volume phases, it has strength phases, it has peaking phases. I mean, the major difference would be for sports teams we don't do the same kind of peaking phase. It becomes more maintenance. Yeah. Um, we still lift heavy. I I used to max athletes on squats and, and things like that, but I don't do it anymore. I typically do you know heavy triples and yeah. things like that. And we only really go to what would be more the 
85 to 90 percent range, mm-hmm. focusing more on bar speed, bar velocity, uh, because there's not really the same benefit to grinding out lifts for a baseball player that there would be for a power lifter. Sure. And, and so there's that. I mean, we, again, going back to my college days, I remember a lot of the same, believe it or not. You know, triples was about what we went to. Some of those are turned into doubles, you know, heavy double because <laughs> you overshoot. But uh but yeah, it was never that one rep max because our max was on the playing field, whatever exactly. or whatever that sport was, yeah. right? That's where you need your athlete to perform. You're not trying to have them blow themselves out in the weight room, you know. So, yeah, it was a lot of triples. Um, it's interesting to hear that a lot of that is stays in practice, you know, which. Uh, back then, it was all brand new to me, and I'm like, okay, this is cool, but how come we don't max out? You know, I, everybody wants to max out at some oh, point, right? Yeah, For sure, got to know how strong you are. But in the off season, then we we you know go up to a one rep or something like that. You know, not often, but you do it maybe one time some somewhere in your off season. They let us go to town and yeah. kind of feel it. Is. it Again, helps with men- mentality sometimes, especially with the guys. I know a lot of guys yeah. sports they want to push stuff more to max. And if I don't do it with them, sometimes they might do it on their own in a lot of cases. And it's a good way to bring the camaraderie, you know, like the cheering, the, you know, team support. It's, you know, when we had those, our one RM days, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty fun. Everybody be around the rack, whatever we were doing, squat, bench, you know, Uh, we did like cleans or snatches too back then, believe it or not. And we didn't really do a whole lot of deadlifting, although we, we did just not as a, believe it or not, a one rep max. Mm -hmm. Um, it's now it seems like you guys do deadlifting. I assume we don't do barbell deadlifting. Uh, I do variations of deadlifts. The main variation we do would be trap bar. bar, Yeah. And especially with in powerlifting, you always have to lift from the floor. And so people always kind of judge everything on, well, it's got to be from the floor. (laughs) Um, in actuality, I don't care if the athlete lifts, it from the floor. I'd like them to be able to do it, but for example, volleyball. Um, our women's volleyball team, those girls, I'm I'm one of the shortest people there in the room when all of these girls are there. Even worse if they're in heels. So it's I, I have to set it up to where we usually elevate the actual trap bar. We have little plan, panels or we put uh, plates underneath it to elevate it up because it's more about maintaining back angle and building strength in their hips. Yeah. Until they put deadlift in a, in a volleyball meet, you know, I nobody, exactly. nobody cares. So it's just about building their vertical jump, which I mean, is really in that last degree of hip extension exactly and that you know that's kind of a how you play you know you're gonna you're not gonna do a bunch of junk that you're never gonna use and you might only get hurt with in my opinion even for me like when i take long periods off now and i'm you know strictly or mostly powerlifting. thing obviously i'm doing some other things too but even like today box you know pulling off uh boxes you know for deadlifts i'm not I'm shortening my range of motion to work back into it. You know, yep. it's like I'm not going to pull from the floor for the first time back when I haven't deadlifted in three months. You know, I'm going I'm to shorten that range of motion up and start working it down, working it down. You know, I'll probably pull off blocks for six weeks before I even get back to the floor, you know, and like you're saying, athletes, they may never have to pull off the floor. Yeah. It, it, it's only going to probably, especially for a tall, you know, like sport like that where people are taller, it's only going to take them probably more out of position and risk more injury, in my yeah. opinion. And, so, And we, I always have to look at things as a, a risk versus reward ratio in a lot of cases. Of, yeah, I could get them to the floor, but I'm with them for two, three days a week, so a total of two to three hours a week, and they got to play this. So it's, what can I do that minimizes the amount of time I got to coach them, minimizes the amount of time that I have to spend with them that they can make the most overall benefit and I don't want to waste that time or squander it it's the same thing with respect to Olympic lifts like you mentioned Mm -hmm. I do use some of the Olympic lift variations but in a lot of cases like we don't do any of the Olympic lifts from the floor from the floor you always do as a hang we actually uh, or from from blocks or some or boxes online like really affordable normally it's like $800 a pair yeah no kidding we found them to where you can actually do like pulls from the high blocks yep. to where that way it makes it even better. So it's initial acceleration training. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, so with these athletes, do you teach them their warm ups or do you go through everything with them? Like, do you take them through everything? Because, you know, I, I, I watch you in here and your warm ups and stuff like that for powerlifting. I would assume there's even more goes into it for these kids, you know, because I assume a lot of them don't know much, kind of like when I got into it and I didn't know much, you know. So do you kind of give them something to do on their own? Because, again, I know your time's probably limited with them. Or are you doing everything? So uh, I'll, I'll give you both a sports team and then the powerlifting team. 
So with a sports team, I initially take them through and I try to keep the warm up fairly the same throughout the year and very simple. It's about warming up each joint throughout the range of motion for the body. And so I try and make that as concise as possible Mm. to where it's about their entire warm up, even accelerating to some minor power exercises like a 10 yard sprint would be uh, under 10 minutes, 10 minutes or under. Okay. And they go through that and they repeat it. And then usually captains or team leaders, they have to lead the team through it. So they learn to do it on their own. And I build that in. In season training, I put together usually what's what I call like a maintenance package. I termed it homework, but then I started getting some flack because NCAA, our compliance thought, oh, you're doing, you're making them do extra homework. That's countable hours. <laughs> I'm like, no, I just mentally want them to think about it like that. But yeah. it's a, it's an in-season maintenance plan of just different balance drills, uh, training eccentric hamstring work, uh, training your ankles, yeah. uh, keeping up the basics, like brushing sure. your teeth is the idea. So I do that, and then they continue that throughout. I can't force them to do it, but they're educated in it from when they, when they come in. Sure. Contrast that with the powerlifting team. For a lot of them in the past, this past year, I haven't been able to coach them directly due to different schedules, and I haven't officially been on staff. There's been helping them with programming and kind of being the uh, the wise sage or the advisor. And mm. I've actually just been brought on and I'm being paid now to be the powerlifting coach on the team. So that's why Congrats it's gonna, on that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and it's why I can actually – I'm going to start implementing uh, more of a uh, – uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? More of a kind of uh, set warm-up for them okay. to go yeah, through. Yeah, like a preset warm-up preset that they're going to Because I see the habit with a lot of powerlifters in general is – I'm going to first sit down for 30 minutes while I drink my (laughs) pre-workout. Then I'm going to roll out around, kind of, for another 30 minutes. And then I'm going to stretch for another 20. And then I'll take the bar. And in actuality, the only warm-up they've actually done might have been 15 minutes. But all the other stuff, it's it's changing the mindset, changing the culture behind their warm-up so that their workouts don't take three hours. Yeah. I mean, if we could only get powerlifters to warm up like an athlete, it would be amazing what... what, beginner to average power lifter in here would actually perform like then you know on a day-to-day basis because a lot of the reason people don't perform in here is because they don't activate themselves they don't you know mobilize themselves and those are huge parts so don't wait until you're 40 plus like me (laughs) to realize that you still have to train like an athlete being a power lifter is an athlete so okay so cool so yeah congrats on the power thing so with that um I mean, I know last year you guys went to you. You do a lot of events. It's you know or competitions. Yeah, did, uh, last year you went to nationals, collegiate, collegiate nationals. nationals. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, how many people did you take out there? Oh, uh, one, two, three, four, six, seven. Uh, we had uh, six that we took. Um, we actually qualified eight, cool. but one had an uh, ankle injury. And the other was not eligible academically. Oh, okay. So. I mean, still pretty cool because you think about that six or eight people qualified, and it was in where? Ohio? Yeah, Columbus. Yeah, Columbus, yeah. So, I mean, just to travel out there and everything. I mean, that's, I mean, I know what it's like for us to try and get a team together. That's and the go, biggest meet yeah. I've ever been to, even like my years from competing in weightlifting and uh, powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I've actually looked at a lot of the numbers, and there was over a thousand people yeah. competing at that. They had six platforms running, all Ellico. It was, I mean, big announcers. It was it was like yeah, a impressive. world wrestling federation. Yeah. It was it was amazing. That, it was fantastic. That's awesome. I mean, it's cool for them too, for the athletes. Yeah. I mean, because just to see powerlifting in that light now. I mean, even just to see it as a sport in college. I mean, yeah. when I was there, it was that was just working out. You know, like oh, you want to get together with the powerlifting club? It was like four guys, you know, training in somebody's garage. It wasn't even at the school, you know, or yeah, something. on the one rack. <laughs> exactly. So. I'm uh again I'm happy to see it and I think it's cool that you are involved in it and pushing these kids or showing them the way because what's the one thing a lot of us always say well if we could go back you know and change anything what would it be well it would be to know what I know now back then right and these kids these kids are getting it now. which is awesome because I've seen uh, we've had a few of them come here at Ironmongers and train and again they're always you know real good with their technique and you know it's not like they're Thank hitting you. questionable depth or anything yeah which you're never questionable depth <laughs> we never get red lighted on squats that's the model that's right red lighted on depth you're off the team that's right um yeah so okay so now you're coaching what's the next 
step or plan with uh, the team now? So we have been, uh, the, uh, this is our second year. So our first year we had a total of 16 total athletes on the team. So we qualified half of our team for nationals. That's awesome. We are expanding. We're doing tryouts right now this week and next week. Um, and we have to distill down the team uh, to 27. So, so we have a lot of returners. We have 10 spots available on the team that we're going to be opening up. So what do tryouts consist of? Like two men enter, one man leave? <laughs> <laughs> so we actually, the, the way that the team actually works is it's a club-based sport. And club sports mean that I'm not a dictator. It's a student-run organization. Then they mm -hmm. hire me on supplementally to run the program. So I actually have, we have a president, a vice president, and a treasurer to uh -huh. run it. And they're opening up two other uh, positions like social media manager and a secretary underneath it. Yeah. Um, but we actually have the uh, the chairs and some of the vets come back and they run the tryouts. Wow, that's cool. And a lot of the principal behind that and even what I think when they asked me, they said, well, Eric, you're the coach now. Do you want to run tryouts? I said, you guys have built this team and it needs to ma maintain itself even after I leave. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that comes down to the fact that you guys need to decide who you want to lift with. You know who you want to train with. I trust your judgment. We have you, the good core, the base. Yeah. From there, the core and the base starts building on itself yeah. to where I'm not selecting everyone. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I see somebody, I'm usually like them, but pretty much everyone is you know, on them. Like We have a yeah, few really good perspective lifters that were both uh, youth, uh, high school, national level lifters and IPF and things like that. So for this year. So it looks to be pretty good. Yeah. So there's a, no. a few easy choices and then a few, I'm sure, hard choices where yeah. you got to decide. And it's going to be between. tough that we have to make cuts. And I'm I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. But it's it needs to be done. And uh, we make the choice first on based upon how do they move? Are they doing well? It doesn't matter if everyone is strong initially. Mm. Sometimes we care more about not just that they're strong. We care more about do you move well? Do you uh, take coaching well? Sure. Do you develop? Especially if I get a freshman like some of these freshman girls that are in there. I had one girl that we started last year, you know, is having trouble with the bar, but she moved well. She took coaching well. She was very serious when she trained. Yeah. And now she's uh, just about qualified for nationals this year. Yeah. Whereas we have had other people in the past that already came in strong but aren't getting any better. Yeah. So I was wanna... looking at uh, powerlifting, and I know you and I have talked about this before. Powerlifting is not a sprint sport. Yeah. Even though we do one rep max of everything, it's a marathon. Sprint marathon. Sprint marathon. <laughs> we yes. do, it is a marathon. We yep. have to think about the longevity of the lifter and the development process to really make sure that they become the best that they can be. Yeah, totally. And especially because you're working with them at such a young age, too. You know, like, obviously here at the gym, we get people that come in and they could be 30 years old, you know, and... And so, yeah, some of it's working on, you know, remobilizing them after they've become so sedentary or, you know, set in their ways. You know, I always say I love when the kids come in because you, nine times out of ten, they're going to listen. Blake and they're Davis. like a Blake Slate yeah. and they're going to progress, you know, like Magnus. I mean, we have, you know, that young kid that that's here. He's just a beast, you know, and I mean, he just does whatever I say, you know, and, and it's worked. You know, he just listens and he keeps progressing. I mean, I don't think that kid's out of meat yet where he hasn't put up numbers on, you know, over his last total. So what is working with uh, older athletes kind of taught you about maybe things to change with younger athletes? Uh, well, again, it's it's probably highlighting the fact that you are not going to stay like this forever. So getting good practice now of uh, um, being aware of your body, you know, like like we said, mobilization and uh, the prehab that people call it. But I mean, <clears throat> whatever, it, whatever it takes for you to activate your muscles and stay in good form, keep practicing that because I promise you it's not going to last by just getting underneath the bar every day like you might be able to do now or like I did for 20 years you know I mean it really I haven't taken the brunt of powerlifting weightlifting sports until probably the end of my 30s like I just was athletic it was something that I was born now there's a lot of warm-ups built into a lot of sports that you do and sure those help and everything but if I would have done more warming up say for my lifting would I be a little better now probably into my early 40s probably you know i would definitely at least know how to uh like i said activate my muscles and that's become a big thing with me is just now because i sit or i'm walking around picking up weights or doing random stuff with the gym 
activation becomes my key, you know, which, uh, I, you know, I can't say how much I've worked on that over just the last two years, you know, because for a while, you know, I didn't have to do that. It just, or for a long time in my life, I didn't have to do that. I just, you know, do the, whatever the coaches told me and was warm up and that would, I guess I'd be activated, you know, or my muscles would perform to whatever I needed. You know, I was, I played defensive end. So it was short bursts, you know, with little rest, you know, but, but I could do it well. And I, you know, I was deceivingly fast for my size and, you know, I'm six, four. So I was, I, I can jump, you know, I've always been able to dunk a basketball and stuff. And so it was funny, like just recently I was thinking, you know, I'm doing Highland games obviously now. And I was, I was like, you know, I like this cause it just makes me athletic. It makes me have to do some of the things that I had to do, warm me up for football. And that's really how I kind of prepared for the Highland games. It wasn't lifting a ton of weight. It was, um, warming myself up, some getting ready. Yeah. Some dynamic work, gradually being explosive. Yep. Yeah. Again, um, granted I want to mix the weights in with the dynamic, you know, stuff, but, uh, I was limited on time going into this Highland game season. Now there's a big break, but definitely come next season, I want to try and, like I said, perfect that a little bit more because if I'm doing it like this already, imagine what I can be like, you know, even, and, and to me, I don't really care too much about age, only in the fact of recovery, but I mean, you can progress. Obviously, I know plenty of guys oh, that have progressed into I their fifties. You lose a little bit of elasticity, mm-hmm. but you can maintain quite a bit of it, especially if you strength train. Yeah. I mean, that's why we strength train athletes in general. They come in being bouncy springs. We keep yeah. that quality as best we can, and we can provide longevity by giving adequate strength without yeah. uh, overloading their strength and things like that. Right, right, so. and that and that was the thing too. Like I. Yeah, I carried a decent amount of muscle. I wrestled football. Again, I was always flexible. Never had any issues with my knees or muscles or anything like that. And so um, looking back, like I said, it's kind of just what was I doing then, you know? And so now when I have these younger kids come in, you know, it's it's trying to get them to do some of that stuff that, that I was doing, you know, the warm-ups and the active, the, like you said, the dynamic stuff that you really probably don't see a lot of people do. Kind of like you said earlier, you can, you know, you can talk to them about it. You, you can't force anybody to do anything, you know. <laughs> so, exactly. and uh, and then, but you always have the athletes who are really great about it too. You know, like we have plenty in here that do very good warm ups. You know, I see them shed their twenty minutes of warm ups here before they even get to a bar. You know, mm-hmm. and with that, that I, I I tend to think, you know, what's enough? What's too much? You know, like again, you're. I don't want to be exhausted by the time I get to a bar either, you know? So it's like that fine line, I feel like. And so for me, I kind of feel like I've got it down, you know, like how, like, if I'm going to deadlift, 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes to get warmed up, and I'm going to be good when I get to that bar, you know, with everything firing. But I see people who have been here for a while, and they still do the 20, 25-minute warm-up that they've always done. And so then, you know, I start wondering, okay, maybe we need to change your warm-up a little bit. And get it a little bit more, a little bit more intensity to the warm up for a shorter amount of time, and then have you go to the bar and see what happens. What do you think on that? Yeah. Um, so that's actually one of the big things. Even I started to change. Uh, coming from my my initial sport that I did was weightlifting, so snatch and clean and jerk, and then I transitioned to powerlifting primarily because I couldn't find a weightlifting gym. And it requires a lot of mental focus. So I started doing powerlifting. And when I started doing powerlifting, I changed my warm-up a little bit more because I was noticing, oh, some of my mobility has gone that seems so natural from weightlifting because it's a very dynamic sport that requires a lot of flexibility. And so I started changing it to I do kind of more of a a very kind of flow yoga-ish warm-up myself. Mm -hmm. And that's even what I have a lot of my athletes do. The key is making sure that you can move well enough to properly do the movement. Right. And that's what I set out to do. Same thing with like, sometimes we roll out, but it's very minimal. It's what is inhibiting us from doing a squat or a deadlift correctly right now. Let's attack that. Let's make sure it moves. And then let's warm it up. And then the warm up progresses from initially just kind of mentally settling yourself. That's why you might do like one quick light static stretch. I'm not suggesting people do long static stretching or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> just just a little movement beforehand just to kind of mentally get yourself set up. Because once the warm-up starts, I think a lot of people fall in more of a trap of 
uh, shooting the shit, talking to people about this and that, and not actually treating the warm-up like it truly is part of the workout, it's no different than a lift. You need to focus on it, be aware of your body, and be very internal to make sure you have that mind-muscle connection, progressing from general to gradually more specific movements. Like if I'm going for a, a squat workout, my quads are tight today, my calves. I'm going to roll those really quick, less than uh, less than two minutes on rolling. Then I'm going to start going through like uh, making sure my ankles are warm, my knees are warm, uh, do different kind of lunge positions to get my hips opened up, and then I'll start doing bodyweight squats. Okay, it feels good. Maybe I'll do a few uh, speed squats with a bar or uh, box jumps. I'm a big proponent of I don't think some power lifters do enough power work, mm-hmm. even though our sport is, you know, force lifting. Max force. <laughs> Max force lifting. <laughs> there is a benefit to doing some power work. And, I mean, I program it even for my athletes, but the volume is not very high. We're talking like three sets of five box jumps or, uh, you know, maybe like ten total broad jumps with a little rest in between. About and it actually wakes them up, gets totally. things firing, and it gets their body warm enough without over fatiguing. And yeah. so it's been a huge thing to build that kind of warm up. And I've already started with some of the powerlifting team, and it's really made it a little bit more concise and dialed everyone in a lot more. Yeah, I totally agree because that's what I was saying as far as like my hiding games where I, I started doing some more jumps you know even if it's not to a box i was just doing as high you know like knees to chest jumps as high as i could right because we don't really have a box or you can jump on the tires and stuff which is all fine yeah, you can jump on the stairs you right can jump there, on yeah. the stairs i just don't want to miss <laughs> you know just <laughs> i hate to see anybody miss because those things are not uh padded but um but yeah like then I, that's what i was thinking back i'm like shit man i used to do box jumps literally every warm up before practice you know we would have this stupid ledge like our stairs that yeah. we would all jump up to man i used to we used to put a tire like you know up not flat on the ground so it would be up like a donut you know like you're looking through the center and we used to jump to the top of it mm-hmm. like a, a tire like we have out there and yeah. i used to do it with ease you know and i'm like where'd all that go you know but i never i didn't do that for a long time once i got done with football and then just into lifting but now you know i've started bringing it back in and again, you want to fire your, you know, like you said, everything, <laughs> everything up. And Hatfield's a proponent of it. I mean, Absolutely, that that yeah. dude used to do a freaking four foot jump before he'd even squat. You know, you'd watch him get out there and do it. So, okay. So our tip to people right now is don't get away from the dynamic warm ups and put some intensity into them. Absolutely. Not just uh, oh, let's uh, let's do some skips, you know, around the parking lot, like broad jumps and high jumps. Are, are excellent ways to get warmed up before. Yeah, and the volume doesn't need to be a lot. I mean, even with my sports teams, um, when you program out usually a periodized program, some people say, oh, you don't do that much power work initially. We do more power work later on. We do power work year-round, mm-hmm. and there's not a problem with it. It's just a degree of volume, and it's the same thing for powerlifting. Um, we might do, you know, two sets of five box jump, and then maybe we do um, – I haven't me- – I've messed with it a little bit with sprinters – or sprinters, I'm sorry, power lifters, but mm-hmm. doing very short short distance sprints, like five to ten yards. Yep. And even better is if we could do it, like, uphill. Um, yeah, you don't slight wanna, incline. Yeah. yeah, slight incline to help not pull their hamstrings. But sure. it gets things firing, and that's yeah. the biggest thing. And like you said, really treating the warm-up very seriously now – to where it's okay you can talk at the gym a little bit and do this and that but once we start the warm-up we are go yeah. we can't just mess around now, i think some of the reason why some people don't do jumps or this or that is the sport is so lifting focused and also they almost take it for granted like you said sure. oh i used right. to be able to jump That's, on the tire right i'm always going to be able to do that <laughs> and a jump doesn't feel as hard as a heavy squat so it must not give us the same benefit and it doesn't need to necessarily be super muscularly fatiguing or make us feel like, oh, man, I really need to load up on carbs after that box jump. Nobody, yeah, right. nobody thinks that. But it's vital to help you even just neurologically. For sure. More Absolutely. So Act, like I said, activation, too. What do you now with being a college and I'll ask you because I have to deal with it here. But how how many athletes do you have or lifters in the power lifting team? 300 sports athletes total. And uh, it will be 27 powerlifters. Okay, after so out of those 300 athletes and 27 powerlifters, how many are big athletes? Like again, let's just say around the 275 to 300 pound range of uh, male athletes. Sure, and then obviously, and then whatever your range would be, say on females, only because all these jumping things I find very hard to get them to do. You know, 
because so, obviously yeah. the impact is what we're we have a uh, of the guys really just the throwers uh, and I mean throwers as far as track and field throwers mm-hmm. um, we have a few bigger guys on that team they're actually looking kind of small this year we have more javelin throwers than anything but uh, we don't really have guys that big okay um, on the powerlifting side we're looking to have a few guys that are in in, U- in USAPL it would be uh, the 265 pound and so it goes uh, 105 kilo or 231, uh, the 264 or 120 kilo, right. and then the 120 plus. We're going to have a few of those this year. Cool. Um, we do have heavier girls as far as girls that might be like between 190 to 220 um, on various sports teams, not just throwers, but across multiple sports teams, softball, yeah. basketball, etc. So would you change their dynamic intensity or dynamic warm-up with their intensity, you know, changed, or would it be different than say your lighter lifters um would you do you even worry about the you know impact when i typically favor a lot of exercises like a box jump i'm not worried about impact it's a self-absorbing exercise so you don't really worry about the damage to the joints but i do worry about that more specifically for things like our conditioning work on on sorry talking the sports side yeah i worry about more of it with respect to the conditioning work with respect to a lot of their um the work on the court or on the field, uh, we typically see to where I keep the volume maybe less than I could. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tend to favor being a little bit more conservative as a sports performance coach because if an athlete gets injured lifting weights or you know blows out a knee, that's on me. Like I, I could lose my job. For sure. So it's for me, it's more about making sure they need to be able to play. And that's a conversation I have to have with the coach to where they need to understand we have to limit their play time and moderate their total volume. Mm-hmm. So that's really the biggest thing. I don't really always affect intensity. Uh, it's just a volume change. Whereas a smaller athlete can handle, you know, five to ten sets of broad jumps. Yeah. Um, I would have the larger athlete probably do um, maybe three sets of broad jumps. Right. Just less volume. And it's, again, having to have that conversation with the sport coach. We need to make sure that their play time goes down a little bit just because they're dealing with more overall load on their body. It's sure. like you're not going to have... I mean, even positions in football, some of those O linemen, those guys are going to be burnt out if they, if imagine having them do the work of a wide receiver. Oh, absolutely. Like they'll, be, they'll be dead. Yeah. And so it's treating them like different positions. Yep. Cool. On the power lifter side, the volume is the same across the board, really because it's part of the warm up. And yeah. I haven't had issues with it. I tend to avoid excessive impact power exercises and focus more on uh, bang for your buck. Again, like simple box jumps, variations of box jumps. Uh, we do a few broad jumps without rebound, so uh, not overloading the eccentric portion yep. on their jumps. And then upper body stuff might be either a clapping push-up or like med ball throws sure. uh, focused on the upper body, yeah, stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, okay. A lot of the stuff that I preach or we've preached here for, I think, a while, like you said, yep. Tell people about it all you want. But, all right, so that's our warm-up and keeping athletes healthy and activation. So now we'll get into some uh, programming, you know, which we talk a lot about here. And there's a lot of variations of programming out there. And, you know, it's interesting to hear everybody's take on it. But being that you're programming for an entire team, uh, I wanted to get your take on it, you know, and see how you guys go about it. So let's start with, here's our competition date. How many weeks back do you like to work from that? Uh, typically 12 to 16. Um, it becomes difficult depending upon uh, competition selling out. Yeah. And then sometimes school schedules to where oh, we yeah. really have to work around that. Nationals is a non-negotiable. That's probably the easiest competition to actually program for yeah. because the programming date starts the same no matter what. But uh, usually our fall meet becomes a little funky because some people were lifting over summer and some people weren't. Sure. So I typically give a few general programs that I put up on online. I send them general programs. Here's a volume workout, hypertrophy mm. that I want you guys to keep doing over the summer to stay in shape. Once we hit school season starting, I typically put them on a strength program. So going from like sets of eight to 10, dropping it down to five, starting from there, just getting everyone back into the flow of things. And then when we're about, I'd say six weeks out, I really start taking singles with them at around 85% and gradually working up as we get closer to the meet, to their specific meet. And ideally, I have most athletes doing pretty much the same meet, 
but we usually have two meets going on. So they have two different programs based upon sure. their timeline. So, okay, well, let's use nationals as an example then, since it seems to be the easiest one to kind of, when you guys are doing that, I imagine most of the athletes are training together before that. Uh, or it, it, sometimes at least for one to two, uh, at least for two sessions a week, okay. we have the team training. Together. Yeah. Okay, cool. So when you have that going on, um, you're 12 weeks out volume, 12 weeks out still, or are we, are we actually already in a, a strength, uh, a strength phase kind of for that? Um, we are in, I, I typically do about, I, in the past, I've done four weeks of volume. I'm actually going to be doing three weeks of volume this year, bringing okay. it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is making sure that we ha- I've seen better benefit of just doing three weeks on, one week off right now, mm-hmm. primarily because a lot of them are still having issues with classes. A lot of them still go to class full-time. They work part-time as well, and they're running the powerlifting club. Yeah. So it tends to work better from an overall recovery perspective. So sure. um, we're twelve, uh, starting 16 weeks out with the programming. At week 12, we would be on, I think, back off week there. My math is right. Back off week from our hypertrophy. Okay, yeah. And then progressing into a strength phase. Yep, okay. So then 12 weeks, you're at your strength phase, and you said you'll go how many weeks? So another three three weeks? Another three weeks. um, We might, and then we'll do uh, an additional deload after that. Yep. And then progressing to kind of seeing kind of where the team is at, how they're recovering. We can either sum the heavier athletes. I've, I've moved like 100, 105 and our 120, 120 plus lifters. They might start a peak early and have a longer overall peak. Mm-hmm. Our lighter lifters can sometimes have a shorter peak. Yeah. Um, and it's based upon a lot of their recovery and how close they are to maximum already. And what about female to male lifters? Like I tend to see females huh, handle volume a lot more, a lot better than my male lifters. That's obviously. the other thing. Females, typically I keep them on a strength phase longer. Mm-hmm. It depends. This is where... As we get closer, I make minor changes to individualize the programming. I do kind of a, a group programming that gets dis, that gets kind of filtered as it gets to each lifter. So what I mean by that is uh, same thing as with everyone. You're going to squat. You're going to bench. You're going to deadlift. But then we have, I'll say, like weakness squat, weakness bench, weakness deadlift, where we'll toss in other things or I'll put in another bench variation as well. And we have a conversation and decide what the best variation will be for them to work on their weaknesses. Um, same thing with respect to their accessory work. I just kind of have little conversations with them. They take notes. That way I don't need to just write everything out initially. Yeah. So it's a generalizable program that then gets uh, individualized as I have conversations with them and see their training and make notes. I imagine, and you know, obviously coaching a lot of athletes here, do you feel like you get enough over like seeing of them and feedback from them because you have like you said twenty seven uh, lifters no, right? I don't. Yeah, right. There's never enough. <laughs> um, right. Last year, I didn't really. I went to maybe one or two practices, but it was just what worked out with my schedule and when theirs was. Yeah, their practice was very late, like five to seven p.m. Sometimes. And sure. I've been working a long day. I, I yeah, wasn't going to hang there, but well, uh, with the I would assume technology and social media, do a lot of them videos. put stuff up. Communication and, is something that always needs work, and it's finding better ways to make that happen. Yeah. And I know me being more present at the practices and more involved, being a full time well, full time coach as full time as I can be with that is uh, going to help a lot to yeah. making sure that they understand, they know me a little bit more, mm-hmm. and uh, they feel more comfortable to communicate with me directly and never think that they're bothering yeah. me. That's cool. I mean, may, do you guys have like any type of uh, group page? Like, you know how we have like our Facebook group, our back for just our members? Like, do you guys ever use or Facebook set up something? Facebook group is actually a fantastic idea, there and I go. feel like an idiot for not... I'm going to totally steal no, that. No. Thank you, Rick. No, I, that's <laughs> why we're talking about because I... The reason I'm bringing this up is because, again, I have... Uh, the last time I checked, I think a little over 30 people that I'm programming for in here and, and you never see it all, you know? And so then I go and I program week to week to week mm-hmm. based off what they give me as far as feedback on my programming sheet. And a lot of the times I can go to their Instagram page and look at their video cause they'll post it, you know, and, and I'll get to see the speed and technique that they're lifting at. And that's great. Then I feel confident moving forward. Sometimes people don't post anything they're very not into the social media however um you know a facebook page or group page where uh, which i've been involved with in the past which oh, yeah, was really cool page, so yeah and then we 
you don't really you oversee you can oversee it obviously but a lot of other people can chime in and hey you know try this try this try this and so somebody posts a video there or you make it mandatory to post a video in there of uh your top team feeling as well and i mean obviously that that speaks to a great deal of something i've I, I've learned even more so being a sports performance coach is mm-hmm. the importance of building culture is and how vital it is to the success of, of a team in general. Yeah, and that's, again, just with the gym. It's the culture here that we've built, and that's why I tell anybody, you come in here, and you don't need programming or coaching off the bat. I'll tell you that. I don't care. Even if you're a beginner, just come in and get to know people and get to know the equipment. And if you have questions, I guarantee you, you're going to learn a lot. Now, after you get set and going, if you want some programming, you know, from a coach, you know, then we can set you up with that. If you need one-on-one time, we'll set you up with that. But there is so much, you know, good atmosphere, culture in here, you know, background that everybody's going to help you, you know. Yeah. And I feel like if you're a team, that's what you're there to do. You know, you want everybody to be as strong as impossible you know so helping would only be a thing the reason why i just threw that out there is obviously for you but i mean anybody that listens to this would be you know i have a couple other guys that i know coach and we didn't really talk about that but it popped up in my head like hey this is actually something that probably would work good for something like that yeah setting up a group we have a i found a an app called bubble yeah bubble chat yeah we have our official like the the powerlifting team group chat and that's for announcements and things like that um, and it's, I mean, that's what we have right now. But the, the forum, I, it's effectively, yeah, I know the Facebook page thing was a forum. Feel most, a great way to, most people have Facebook, yeah, yeah it seems absolutely. like. So it's a good good reason, or a good way, I feel like. And again, 27 people, that's not even, you know, too many as far as like a group. So everybody's going to probably see it or at least hopefully get the announcements uh, that are yeah. put in there. So anyways, that's the technology side of it. Anything else technology-wise in the world of uh collegiate powerlifting that's cool oh wow Um, (laughs) i know that they haven't done this i haven't seen it at uspa meets um but are you familiar with lifting cast lifting cast man i I shout out to lifting cast for an awesome piece of software go go Uh, ahead tell me about it lifting cast is effectively what usapl runs on right now okay um so it's their software that i don't know that usapl owns it i think right so far as i know it is an independent a company Mm -hmm. but what it does is you sign up for meets directly through it and you know normally when you're trying to check the order you look for the board or something like that yeah or you might look for a list you don't need that anymore they literally have it you can look at it on your phone and you can track so if i couldn't be at a meet for some of my lifters for like one of the later sessions i can track how they're doing and i'm texting where i saw i'm like i saw red what was it i'm like what was the red uh, red light (laughs) for if they're not streaming it they have it it's on a live scoreboard and so you have that's pretty awesome all of it's there and all of it's permanently uploaded to where you can look at all previous meets like right now, even for the next meet I'm training for, I can see how many are in my weight class, everything that's there. Yeah. And then you can even look back at you can look back at previous meets and yeah, it's it's a really great way to kind of create a universal competition software. Yeah. And I mean I'd like to see other federations. I I, I hope they get on that. I know they put it up online, mm-hmm. but having something to where you can just immediately go on it while you're there to where you don't need to go up and walk to a freaking board, a board and see what's it's, going on. It's really good. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing. I mean, past that, there's a lot of technology out that's more expensive, different Tendo units or uh, force velocity measurement tools. That That's really what I was getting at. Yeah. Is, do you guys use any of the force velocity we stuff? We don't have the money for okay. it. Yeah, that's fine. I know it's program. expensive. I, I do do velocity-based <laughs> training in just with very simply as far as with my sports teams yeah we do th- and even with some power lifters that have excessively slow squats <laughs> on down and up, no matter the percentage we do speed squats yeah. uh, and this is actually something i learned from my coach john bros out in uh vegas was it was three squats done in under five seconds sure yep. he actually found a, a really great correlation with what you can do for your best speed squat is what your best clean is Ooh, and it actually carried over really well because i was hitting right around my best one when i was there was somewhere around 155 160 and sure enough that's a uh, kilo yep. and that's what i cleaned cool and as i got my speed squat up so too my so, clean went yeah up. your cleans went it up. was kind of cool that's interesting very very cool concept um yeah that, that's ours again i've worked with it a little bit i had access to it i wish it wasn't as expensive as it is it'd be cool to get one in here but um so okay we t- that's college let's talk about you 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 just mentioned obviously you're training for a competition right now yes. uh how many weeks in are you 
Uh, I want to. I'm starting on week. I have seven weeks out. Seven, I'm seven weeks, weeks out. out next week. Okay. How you feel? Feel good. Yeah. I'm, everything I'm, going good. My job has been very tiring during the days, so I'm glad this is a back off week because it's letting me reformat my diet a little bit. I yeah. really just need to up my calories. Huh. I'm not eating enough during the day, and I started keeping salt at work so that <laughs> way I can keep enough salt in with the water. Sure. I have been getting like this. My final week of strength training, love strength phase. Uh, I hit a big lifetime PR on my squat, five oh seven for five. Nice. It was really good. Um, the other days, I felt like I could go more, and then I cramped sure. on my bench. I cramped on my deadlift when I was going for yeah. PRs, and I just felt it. Everything kind of gave up, and I know it's. I need more calories. I need water. water. I need more. It's salt. been hot here too. It has I been mean, really hot so. these past few days, and I I hate to say that because I tell my athletes, right? We like, we preach we it all. <laughs> we don't know. We don't need to know that it's hot. We know it's hot. Yeah. You need to push and you need to train, and we don't care. Yeah. Exactly. So, but it it does affect, and it's something I have to take into account when moving forward. Um, with the peak phase, since I'm doing less volume, obviously, as I start moving to singles and triples, it's pro- it's gonna. I know it's gonna be a little bit more forgiving. On my muscles, I won't cramp as hard, yeah, and uh, I won't need to burn through as much glycogen as I normally do. So that's always good. But feeling good. That's good. That's good. Do you train yourself any differently than you train your, you know, your younger powerlifters? A, a bit, and only in the sense of I usually experiment on myself. So if you look at some of my programs for over summer and fall. Uh, they look like older programs I did. And it's because I experiment on myself first, find things that work, things that don't work. And if something doesn't work for me, I kind of put it on a shelf and I go, okay, maybe this is something I can use when a lifter encounters this problem because I don't have that problem. And so I save it for later and that, that would be it. I mean, certain exercise selection, the biggest thing is over summer with a lot of the kids since I I train a lot of people that are much lighter weight classes than me lighter weight class lifters as you know can handle more volume so I put a little bit more volume on them once school gets going their volume is very much the same as mine if not in some cases a little bit less because I know they're not on it with their nutrition or or sleep as much as sure and I'm sure I would assume you probably talk to them at least about that I mean no you eat really well you're very on your diet um, every semester uh, sometimes twice a semester if they ask uh i do i give different handouts educational and i build them with habits when people first come in they say well what weight class will i be i said what do you weigh now and i said right there if you go up in weight as you're training i don't care if you go down in weight i don't care right now what i care about is building the proper habits to move forward so are you training are you sleeping and then let's clean up your the quality of your diet Mm -hmm. and build you on a regular eating schedule before i even worry about total calories like we gradually get there as we we build the macros out based upon what the person needs and then usually uh maybe by their second semester we'll kind of finalize where their weight class will be once we built those habits yeah so that's you, that's gonna be do you feel like they take that in pretty well at that age absolutely they're the, some of the only people that i have on <laughs> i have at least half the team that's on meal prep so when yeah. you see them come in with their tupperwares and they're on it that's awesome and it's getting them more consistent some people to help them out i recommend different apps uh like the the rp diet app is a really good one yeah that's good um my wife and i have been using it for a while yeah, now just cool. to make Make things a little bit easier for us but it's i help them with that so they are all like diet is one of the first things we talk about once we finalize the team it's diet sleep and recovery i don't even talk about lifting i yeah. care first are you building the habits to actually be an effective human being before you even start training <laughs> well to move forward like you said move forward without you because exactly. you're not going to be there forever even here you know you the people that come here may not stay here forever uh-huh. so it's it's great i want you to walk out of this gym Go to any other gym and you know what you're going to do or have a really good idea on how you're going to progress from this point forward. You know, yeah. even if you came into this gym and started with the bar, you know, I mean, that that's the whole idea is we, we want to keep people moving forward. Everything you do and, you know, I've heard and about you from all your athletes that come in here, you know, it's great. It sounds really good. I like, again, everything you do for the sport over there. Well, I hope, you. uh, I hope more of the athletes, you know, end up coming over here after they get out of college, you know, because I know, I know it's hard when they're in there because I know money's tight. And so you don't def- you definitely don't need two gym, 
gym memberships, or I should say one when you have a gym over there. And yeah, it's, they typically it's good. come over, like you'll see them over here over winter break. A lot of yeah, them probably like coming out just because they they close down the gym over winter break, so we don't have anywhere to train. Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know, like I said, we're always here, and I love seeing them here because again, they're good lifters, you know, which is an excellent thing to see <laughs> because I keep thinking back to just when I was doing it and watching people squat, like when I was learning how to squat. You know, you're just like, oh man. Yeah, but anyways, um, I don't know what else you got. You you got anything you want to throw on the table here? Uh. <laughs> I know at one time was your wife competing too? Oh, my wife is. Uh, she did. She did a competition. Something she wanted to do. Uh, yeah. And she's actually looking to do another one eventually. Okay. Cool. She had a really tough time with uh, an injury she was working through. She had a shoulder issue and then a hip issue, and a lot of that was work related. Yeah. She was a hairdresser for a number of years. Yeah. On her feet. And a lot. that is, I mean, you want to talk an abusive job. People yeah. don't realize just doing that for like six, seven hours a day. Oh yeah. It's brutal on the body, yeah. and so. It was really starting to aggravate. She had tendonitis in both areas, and we've had to modify her squat technique. And a lot of that is um, we found she has a structural abnormality in her hip that increased the size of her labrum as well as the bony protrusion around the acetabulum. So what that is, since not everyone might know that, sorry. Um, so we're going to need to put some blinker fluid back in the acetabulum and thing. What you do is rub your hip face and gently on the area. Um, so what it, what it actually means is effectively the socket for where her femur or thigh bone goes yep. is a little bit enlarged and uh-huh. deeper. So the way that it actually sits in there grinds more and the labrum sits out and curls under it more. So it pinches off when she does heavy deep squats and she has the mobility to do it in good position we've had to modify her and i'd say like the squat that i started watching to where we modified her to is like marissa enda uh-huh. um okay. she has a really much more of a good morning-esque squat yeah and we've had to modify it to that and she has no pain and started making progress again after the after the cortisone injection <coughs> and stuff like that to bring the inflammation down cool so she's now back with that she's uh in school right now but even talking with her, she does want to do another powerlifting meet. The big goal is just putting together successful training yeah. for her right now. And it's the same thing. Like after this meet, I have goals on total and, and my lifts. Right now, it's I always say I'm like, those are the goals. I have my, my goals where it's like a checklist. Like goal one is make a total, make some lifts. Um, goal two is a specific total. Goal three is the dream total sure. from there or yep. uh, general PRs. And it's going through the process first. I'm like, we'll see how the process goes to what goal I feel is the most feasible to mm-hmm. attempt. And then from there, it becomes like after I do that, I mean, we'll see. I'd like to probably do a USAPL Raw Nationals, uh, cool. but we'll when, see. When is that? A USAPL Raw Nats is in October of okay. each year. So it's actually coming up for yeah. a lot of the other competitors. Um, they up the qualifying totals for USAPL like massively. Wow. I mean, it was awesome. Probably like 60, 70 kilos. Damn. So last year, the total for a 105 weight class was 665. And that's that's kind of low. Like, I'm not going to lie. That's I hit that my first meet. Yeah, it's like, what, 13 something? 13. Yeah. yeah. I want to say 13, a little under 14. So it's not very high. And 105, just to give people. 231 uh, yeah, pounds. 231. Yeah, so right between a 100 and 110 kilo lifter. Right. Um, yeah, that does seem low. And then 221 they it, now hitting. It's, now it's 715 kilo. Okay. Which 715, so, yeah. I want to say, is like close to 14. Uh, or, I got a quick converter. Yeah. So uh, it's one second. It is 1576. Yeah, so that's a good job. So it's a, it's a good total. And, and, that's, I, and that's a better total for that weight class, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, come on. You know? I mean, you should be probably like 550 to 600 squat, a 400 bench. And a like it over a six hundred like between six hundred and six fifty probably like six thirty six fifty deadlift for being a one hundred five like just to go to nationals mm-hmm. having guys that squat under five hundred as a one hundred five going to nationals like that's no that's dumb yeah even even the USPA where I yeah. compete and a lot of the people in the gym compete and it's nothing against any other federations just no, how not, we're no, no. how we you know I guess stuck for stuck with or stuck with federation moving forward but. Yeah, like nationals, I feel, you know, should be up there, right? And, you know, again, you don't want to see these people there, you know, especially in the bigger weight classes. Like you said, squat on our 500. Every every year, you know, and it's not talk shit on anybody because I do want everybody to compete and everything, but 
I feel like the standards have to be set. Like I want to see the best lifters or, or majority of the best lifters. That's why, you know, this North American championships they have coming up in Vegas. Yeah. Like Adams competing there and it's crazy. I mean, the two seventy fives are just stacked now. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference of like, I want to say a hundred pounds between the eighth guy and the top guy. Oh my you know, God. that last deadlift is going to be, it's going to come down to it. Right. It's going totally to come down to it. And you know, I mean, I don't think anybody there is squatting under seven, you know, in yeah. the two seventy five. So well, question about, uh, nationals for USPA. Yeah. Like I know raw nationals for USAPL. I mean, we're talking, there was like 50, maybe 80 people deep in some of the weight classes before they changed this total. Their goal, and this is the same thing that happened in the sport of uh, weightlifting, in USA weightlifting, they jacked the qualifying totals up because so many people were qualifying because there was this huge surge in attendance for the meets. Because before it was just like, that's why the totals were so low. It was because there was only 20 people per weight class. Sure. So you're not going to raise the totals because it, then you're going to have nobody competing. Yeah. In a verse sport, you know, like a football, a basketball, you know, athletes are getting better and better. Mm-hmm. So athletes are going to be dispersed amongst teams and therefore it's going to create, like, we're not talking about raising the rim for basketball because the athletes are they better the on both sides, right? Yeah. They create in an individual sport like this. Yes. The qual- something has to change or go up to meet the standard of the athlete going yeah. up, you know, um, and uh, the I was USP- going to ask her, like, how many came to USPA nationals, the, the drug tested nationals yeah, that you guys were at? Like, what was the attendance like at that? Do you know the number? Uh, I mean, over, so it was four days long and there was, uh, 90, so there's 90 per day. So what's that? 360 Four lifter. Nine, 360. 360. That's decent. Yeah. It's pretty damn good. And some, some weight classes were absolutely just, you know, maxed out 25, 30 lifters in one weight class, you know, and then the lighter end would have less and the heavier and they might, end. And they might raise the qualifying to Cause that's what they did is they, like for collegiate nationals, mm-hmm. they've raised the qualifying totals on the guy side only for really like the eighty, the eighty three and the ninety three class. Oh, they really? jumped up by about 50, 60 kilos. See, and I and we have changed, but I, it's been across the board. It hasn't been per like weight class. Um, so that would be interesting to see if they start doing that. You know, because like again, the one sixty five women, it's freaking stacked oh, every yeah. time. You know, or that's where max, a bulk of the women I should fall, say. fall in. That sure, exactly. Now. And so I agree, you should have a higher quality, you know, take the average or whatever you want to do to figure it out, you know, and we should have the top 12, I feel like going, you know, uh, 12, like, like a flight is usually what? 12 to 15 or a full flight, I would say is about 15 lifters, 15 lifters. That's where it's for weightlifting. (laughs) They did a session. They do sessions. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's between, I want to say 10 to 15. And for weightlifting, they did uh, A flight and B flight, yeah. or a, a session, B session. I'm like, that's fine. I, I always feel like there's something to be said about the top 20. Let the top, find whatever the, the 20th. And USAPL, I know, did uh, top 30 because mm-hmm. I know they still want money, obviously, to go to nationals. Obviously, but you need kind people of to fill wanna, it up. They want to have that cutoff point as far as, well, if we have like 50, 60 people, who cares who's 51st place? Like, let's bring it up to where, what was the average total? Um, or entry total and uh, total for competition for the 20th or 30th space and just kind of decide that there. But I know they yeah. will as attendance starts growing. Yeah. All federations. I agree. And they're kind of already doing that. I know like the Kern kind of does that. They look to a certain point, you know, and then they send their invites out based on that. Uh-uh. Bosses kind of does that. You know, again, I have a meet in February that we're going to do as an actual qualifier. Is that, that's a Pro-Am one? Yeah, that's the Pro-Am nice, one. Nice. So... We're going to use um, a qualification total for that that we're going to set, you know. So, uh, again, I think more meets will go to that or, or hopefully we'll adjust to that. As far as the big meets like Nationals, um, Worlds, and this North American Championships, which are really the three biggest meets for the USPA, um, minus the Expos that yeah. they have. Because those, are those I feel, have become kind of one-offs in my own opinion, you know. In fact, I don't – I like what they're doing – uh, Steve, who's the president of the USBA, his goal is to get the focus back on those major, you know, meets for the federation, the nationals, That's worlds, good. and North American. Yeah. I, I thought that was a yeah. weakness from USBA. Look from the outside looking in, I said totally. I don't, 
I don't feel like I ever hear anything about nationals. It's always these, yeah. even these top power lifters. Like I had no idea what, why Dan, like I watched Dan Green's lifts or, or I saw some of these guys that were just, just badasses doing boss of bosses or I think for a brief while US Open and stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't even know what federation it was. And no, I True. didn't feel like I knew who the best was. Yeah. I want and to know who's national champ. Well, that's, now that's, it's come down to money, matters. right? I mean, yeah. money drives people yeah. wanting to do this. Unfortunately, <laughs> It's compromising the sport with the ju- the judging isn't you know standardized you know because yes you have this federation who doesn't really do anything for their to bring up their judges they just pick some uh, professional lifters that are judges that when you have the USAPL who you know courses and schooling for their judges the USPA, USPA schooling courses you have to you know you actually have to pass tests to be a judge and then you have to do a certain amount of refing and stuff like that so those are cool and I, I think that's great and that's where we need to go but even if you think to back in the day um you had nationals like AAU nationals and the big teams and the big groups would go there you know they would go to nationals and that was the coolest part of the year, you know, like they would all meet or the best lifters would compete there. And then if they're really good, then they go on to worlds or something like that. But yeah, it kind of, I feel like it, it, the USBA and the US, USAPL has done that very well and they've continued to do that. And that is what I do love about them is watching their nationals and their worlds and all that. I do feel USBA was started out like that. And then it became expos and where can we showcase this and that. And now they're bringing, now they're like, okay, that, that kind of didn't really work. Let's bring it back to what it was. And I'm, I'm happy with that. I I like the old school, if you want to call it, uh, you know, federation setup where again, it was state championships, you know, which we have a California state champion. A lot of people have places have state championships, the nationals and then worlds. And if you're not, you know, if it's hard for you to make going to say a Worlds or something, that's what the North American Championships are supposed to be. And that's nice. And USAPL, I know, started doing a regionals. Yeah. So that way, because they have a state championship um, as well, but they, they needed something because state you could just go to. I, I'm hoping personally that they eventually do like a qualifying standard for a regional that mm-hmm. would obviously be below national yeah. qualifying standard. But uh, right now they just say you must have competed in one meet before mm. you do this one. Yeah. Have have a total from one meet. Uh-huh. But it's it's a start in the right direction to where it's you could do a local meet. Then yep. you, and states are still kind of a local meet right now. But then they have like a goal to shoot for. Like I can't make nationals yet. But this is a good goal. It gives them that kind of stepping stone to where. Uh, a lot of newer lifters, nationals doesn't seem so far away. Like, yeah. The elite will always be elite, and I'm never worried about them. Like, sure. like oh, going to nationals, they don't need a regionals. But you have to think about the growth of the sport in its entirety, mm-hmm. and that's where regionals and, and uh, North American championships, like having those different branches and steps for people to yeah. be able to steps say, to this is the next, yeah, steps to collect. Yeah, the next one that I want to go up to, yeah. to, to work towards. Yeah, to, absolutely. To I mean, I, I don't have a world championship medal. I would love to have a world championship medal that would be cool to me you know i don't really the thing is in my position it's probably different than others like i don't really care about the money it's cool if i win some money but the medals from those sports you know like those are what i keep money i spend so it's not a big deal to me and to younger lifters who are super strong right now like they're going after the money because they probably need the money more than anything and i mean the idea of being a pro power lifter is a very attractive idea i mean Maybe pro powerlifting is a little bit more accessible because of Instagram nowadays and being able to kind of yeah. sell your services. Let's be honest. Online. There's nobody. There are no pro powerlifters. Every not. single powerlifter out there has a job. And if you are sponsored by so and so company and uh, you're pushing their products, even if they're giving you money, that's a job. I'm sorry, you are having to do something. You know, pro is you know again you are getting paid by a team like to me like an nfl like okay that's pro like you are you are getting a weekly or a monthly check or whatever to do this you know getting pro pro is also getting paid by sponsorships like we have a few weightlifters that are professional weightlifters to where they get paid by like reebok or rogue or ellico yeah being an athlete they're required to do like a few photo shoots but then they also use that product in competition and they're literally paid to be an ambassador yeah so again, I yeah, I guess I feel like you're right, and you hit that on head. There's different levels of scholarships. Mm-hmm. Again, I 
you were talking kind of the social media, yeah, and so yeah, I was yeah. going towards the lower. Like I was, here, I was, I was we'll give you, uh, we'll there. give you a hundred bucks, you know, or whatever to, uh, you know, wear our our knee sleeves or, our, or whatever. Oil. And then yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're a pro powerlifter because exactly because exactly. they got somebody uh, to put up on their bio there. But anyways, yeah, all that aside and everything, I do like where the sport is going yes. on both sides. Um, that is a good thing. You know, like I wish some of these smaller federations would actually fall off and we could bring this into the two main federations that really I feel are there, you know, and have a good, like we said, stepping stones to different, uh, achievements, you know, and, uh, that just, it's, it's going to keep to like the records, which, I mean, yeah, records are always meant to be broken, but I do feel like there's got to be some standards to those still, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, because I still think I see some all-time squat records. I feel like some of them are actually still out of a monolith, even though they're raw and in wraps and stuff. Yeah. it's it, it, There's slightly different standards for each one. Sure. And I mean, a strong, a, a heavy squat is a heavy squat. I, I've seen plenty uh, that I'm like, absolutely. okay, that was out of a monolith, but I don't care. That was amazingly impressive either way. Yeah. But it's it would help to create some consistency. Yeah, which is always nice. and that's fine. I mean, I feel like you have the USAPL, the USPA. They use you know combo racks, great. And there could be another good two federations that are monolith federations and stuff, and that's fine too. Like I said, you're not gonna, you're never gonna please everybody, but the two biggest federations I feel in the you know in the yeah. United States at least are. USAPL, USDA. Do you think we'll go back to equipped lifting at all, or I, I know actually it's never do. going away. But do you think it'll? I happen? I think it will. Uh, I think it will. I feel like there's circles and everything, you know. And did you see how they're doing that? Um, uh, I don't even know what the hell it's called, but it's like they're. Do- it's a big equipped meet that they're doing. Uh, fuck, I don't know where. Is it a West Side thing or? No, it's not a West Side thing. But I mean. It's going to be on ESPN. They, oh, okay. Which is crazy. WPO? It's, yeah, I think it's, it's WPO. 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 Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Anyways. And um, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes over. And again, being on ESPN, the problem with powerlifting has always been that it's long and boring and, you know, not exciting. And, and that I get. But as far as equip, yes, I do think that we will see it come back around. It may not come back as strong, but... I do think things go in cycles, and then you know it'll go out of cycle again. You know, and I gotta I, think I that think was, single ply will come back. I don't think multi ply will come back as hard. I know there's always going to be some of the diehards, but yeah. I just can't see it being that way. And primarily because of how the sport has changed, where to be a good multi ply lifter, you can't train by yourself. Yeah, you have to train with yeah. big groups, and and people just time is such a commodity yeah, now. Absolutely. They don't have that, and yeah, totally agree, totally agree. Um, anyways. Let's wrap this up. We've been at it for a while. I appreciate you coming on, Thank getting you. your perspective on a lot of different things and, and uh, coaching, too, you know, and bringing up our young kids through this awesome sport. Um, continue to do that. Best of luck to you there. Yes. And uh, I look forward to hearing how your meet goes in seven weeks. Yes, yes. I'll let you know as All soon right. as it comes out. Cool. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I appreciate it. Monger Bam.